If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 if you want to. I'll be there in a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me just say also, I want to thank uh, our brother for putting the, the manger scene up on top up there. Did a great job. And uh, I, I like it with the cross behind it. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Amen. I like it with the cross there. I, I preached the message before. He was born in the shadow of the cross. And uh, that just fits perfectly. Uh, uh, what were you most thankful for this past week? Uh, Thanksgiving time? Was it because your family was together? You had some friends in? Uh, was it all the food, the turkey, the desserts? I was talking to somebody, that's amazing. You eat all that for lunch and not long, you're eating turkey sandwiches a little bit later on, fixing the leftovers and everything. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great time. And so I wanted to think about what does the Bible say about thankfulness or just being thankful? And so I began to look up the word thank and thanksgiving and so on and everything like that. And I just came across this verse and I began to work with, so I hope it makes sense this morning. We'll see. And uh, what was Paul thankful for? What was Paul thankful for? And uh, then I think it can relate to us. Paul is our apostle. Uh, he was thankful for a lot of things, but there's one thing especially he was thankful for. And it was those individual people who had received, believed, and acted upon God's word in reverence and respect that it is God's word. And uh, that was for their salvation and also for their faith building. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, For this cause I also, now get this, cause also thank we, him and his workers, thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. Here's the reverence. But as it is in truth, the word of God, you believed it was God's word, which effectually worketh, now get that there, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That's so important. Paul was so grateful that when he preached the word, there were some individuals who got it, who respected what Paul was saying because they knew it was coming from God. It was the word of God. They welcomed the word as being the absolute truth. It was God's word, not man's word, but it was God's word. And they took it into their heart. I remember reading a long time ago of Warren Wiersbe, and he said years prior to him, he was in England and in the church service, and he, he spoke the word of God. And when you're, when you're done speaking the word of God in that particular church, you know, instead of running out and getting your car and going to some activity or whatever it might be, uh, they would sit there and they would contemplate how the word and its message applied to their life and they would wait there momentarily for a little bit to allow the Spirit of God to reminisce 
what they had just heard so they could get it. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we could just stop sometimes and let the Spirit of God work in our minds and our hearts? Uh, we have, uh, you know, things that are important, but what's the most important thing? Is it contemplating how God's Word is working in my life, or is it the Colts game? Amen. Yeah, we lost some right there. <laughs> to these Thessalonians, he said, it's the word which effectually worketh also in you that believe. As they believed it, as in faith they surrendered to the Lord. When it was at that moment, the word of God began to work in their lives. It was then that God began to release his power, his energy, his working out his will in their life when they came to that point. I wonder if we welcome God's word into our heart, if we'd study the word of God with our mind, if we believe the word of God in our will, then our whole person would be controlled by God and his word. And then that would allow us to be energized. That would allow us to be empowered, to be able to set the old man and his sins to the side and to allow Christ to be able, this new man, to be formed in us. That's what Galatians said, till Christ be formed in you. But you have to come. This is the word of God. And you have to respect it and reverence it. Yield to it. And God releases his power and his energy in you to begin to be able to put off the old man and put on that new man. Then when a problem or difficulty comes our way, we look from a biblical viewpoint. We take the word's wisdom over the world's to be able to handle our circumstances in a biblical way. Perhaps something evil has happened to you, but you read the word, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Perhaps somebody's hurt you, be you kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Perhaps you're going through a trial right now. There hath no temptation taken man, but such as is common. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. As you're beginning to yield to God, and this word is effectually working inside of you, you become stronger to be able to answer these problems in our life in a way that glorifies God and agrees with the word of God. It's been said this, the Bible is the place believers are meant to live and not just to visit. Amen? We need to have more of the Word of God in us. God's Word is to guide us in our living. It's a lamp unto our feet, isn't it? It's to be the perfect standard in evaluating how we live. How are we living into in accordance with biblical godliness. It gives strength each day we live. 
I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It gives us true wisdom in a foolish world. This world is crazy. This world is completely opposite of God and his truth. And the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto them. The wisdom of man is foolishness unto God. But thank God we have the truth in what God says in his word. The word, it gives us knowledge, understanding of God's person, who he is, his character, his will for our life. And it gives us hope and encouragement in our trials, in our hardships, in these attacks that come our way, and they do come, because we know one day we will win. <laughs> We've read the end of the story, and we're going up. <laughs> amen? Richard used to always say it's in December. I'm saying it this year. Amen? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, the Word of God is amazing, and I asked this question this week. How can the Word do all of this? And if you just step back and think about the Word, you just think about it. The Word is inspired of God. That means it's God-breathed. It's His Word, His very Word to man. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that. All Scripture is given by inspiration, God-breathed of God, and is profitable for doctrine so on. It came from God. It states in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This book is a supernatural book because it's inspired by God. It's inerrant. It was written without error. It's accurate in every detail it talks about. It's infallible. That means free from deception. It's totally trustworthy. It's unmixed, spotless, stainless, free from any pollutants. All the words, all the letters, all the punctuations, all of the Bible is infallible, meaning pure. It's absolute. It's full. It's the final. It's completed. It's never, ever needed to be added to or subtracted from. It is complete, the Word of God. It's preserved. That's the act of God in protecting, keeping it, from any decay or destruction or injury. It's been perfectly preserved in producing copies of the original. We have a copy of the original. God protected those certain manuscripts that we can stay up, stand up and say, this is the word of God. Now, I can say that with the King James Bible. You can't say that with other Bibles because I can show you errors in the other Bibles. Amen? The Word of God, it's powerful. I mean, it's seriously taken when we do it, if we do it in our minds, our heart, and our will. And if we do that, it will effectually work 
by influencing the way we think, the way we act and practice and live. That's why the word of God is so important. It will stand forever. That means it can't fall. Amen? And uh, they've, uh, it's been attacked over and over and over, yet it's still here. It will live forever. It can't die. Why? It's God's word. It's eternal. It will abide forever. That means it can't depart. It won't leave you. It will endure forever. It can't fail. For those who believe and obey, it can't fail you. And it is settled forever. It can't change because it's absolute. So you think about this. How can this word effectually work in a believer? It can't fall. It can't die. It can't depart. It can't fail. It can't change. And when you take this word like that and you put it in the mind and the heart of an individual believer, there will be change. And the Apostle Paul saw the Thessalonians, he saw this word working out in their lives effectually. The word of God is our answer for many things. This verse here says, for the word of God is and then it gives some great qualities about this word he says the word of god is quick there that word quick it's living because the god who spoke it is living the word is constantly active alive working making us alive it quickens us it resurrects us each time you read it, it raises you to a higher level in your heart and your thinking. Ephesians 2.1 says this, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. John 6.33, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, and the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And when you put the word of God inside of you, Isaiah 55, 11 is so true. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Wherever you send God's word, it's going to work somewhere. Amen. And then Hebrews 4.12 again. It says there, the word and powerful. The word of God, there's a moral energy, a spiritualness on God's word. That if you read it, you study it, you apply it, it will help believers develop a godliness inside of them that will affect their practice and how they live. Colossians 1.29 says this, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Thy word have I hid in my heart, why? That I might not sin against thee. It prevents you from doing stupid things. God's word not only tells us what is right to do, 
but he creates within us the desire and the power to do it. And then he says in 4.12 again, and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God can cut through anything. It can cut us. And how deep it cuts is dependent upon how we receive that word. If I receive it in faith, this is the very word of God. It'll work and I'll be changed, but I'll be blessed. But if I receive it, it's not the very word of God in unbelief and I rebel against that truth, I'm not going to be blessed. I'm going to reap what I sow then. Amen? Hebrews 3.12 says this, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's sad. But when Paul saw these Thessalonians, he said, they got it, they're getting it. Amen? Hebrews 4.12 again, it says in that verse, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul. God's word can penetrate in realms totally inaccessible to the natural man. The word can pierce that which we can't see our very heart, our very soul. Hebrews 4, 12 again, of soul and spirit. This refers to the psyche, the immaterial part of man, the invisible part. We can see the body, but we can't see inside the real person of soul and spirit. And then in 4, 12, he says, and of the joints and marrow. That refers to the physical material part of man. So here I am, man. Man is physical and spiritual. And God's word addresses both. And then it says, and is, the word is a discerner. The word of God examines, evaluates, analyzes the evidence of what we're thinking, what's going on in our life. And then he says, lastly, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word analyzes our thinking, even our considerations. Now think this through. There's not a thought that passes through our mind, nor a desire of our hearts, but that God knows about them. God help us. <laughs> I've had a lot of bad thoughts. I don't know about you. But thank God you're clean through the word. And he helps us with that. Amen? Now we know God is a triune God. He's three in one. He's one God in three persons. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. That's what the Bible says. And we just believe the Bible. But so is man. Man is body, soul, and spirit. The spirit has to do with your mind. It's what we know, our thoughts, our memory, our intellect. The soul in us has to do with our heart. The scent, not our pumping blood heart, but the center of our being. And it has conscience, it has will, it has emotions. It has the ability, our soul, to make decisions. And the body, that's our physical flesh. 
And our body lives out what our soul and spirit decides to do. Now that's amazing to me. The word moves on us when when we first get saved. Our soul and spirit are spiritually awakened to faith. We know our body, the Bible teaches, won't be redeemed until we're raptured up, but our soul and spirit has been redeemed. Now, here's the way it works. The Word of God works on our spirit, our mind, our thinking, our understanding. The Holy Spirit explains God's Word, His truth to us, and mentally we know it's a truth, it is a fact. That allows it then to go to our soul that's in us. Our soul, the heart, the center, accepts God's truth in our will, our heart, our emotions. There, it's what's used to have faith in God's truth. It's what's used in us to decide to believe. And we need both the spirit and the soul, the facts and the decision-making ability in faith. And when I do that, I make the final decision then in my soul and spirit to believe that it's God's word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 again. I'm about done. I'm going to give a couple testimonies here in just a moment. You people might be getting ready. The word is to be received with reverence, belief. It's the very word of God. And when people do receive the truth, and today, especially Pauline truth, especially the mystery body of Christ truth, we need to be grateful to them for that. It should be a blessing to us. I thank God for those of you who have received God's word as it is truth, openly. In spite of denomination, in spite of tradition, in spite of family and friends' pressures, in spite of Christendom's opinions, you have believed and stood up for the truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Would you people come up now? I just had a few people. Mike, come on up. Bev and Connie and who else did I have? I had one more. Don, there you are, Don. Don, I'll have you go first. Come on up here, old man. Uh, just tell him why you are thankful for rightly dividing okay i've been uh rightly dividing now under pastor jim actually for about 15 years and uh i I have found out that uh, when you rightly divide god's word you uh can understand it so much easier um all I can tell you is there's two things that you have to do in order to understand what God's written word is. 
Now, first thing is you have to take the literal meaning of what he's saying. That's the who, the to whom, the what, the why, when it's being spoken. If you do that, and then the second one is compare verses to verses. And a great example would be Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you read it, it talks about forgiving men, but that's under a limited, very limited, conditional, where you can have that, you may or may not forgive them. And then you compare it to verses like Colossians 3, 13, where you have forgiven all men as Christ forgiven you. Those will help you rightly divide Amen. more than anything. Thank Amen. you. Give Connie. Thank you, Don. Um, when I was younger in, in the Lord, I would get upset, and then even later, because it seemed like the Word of God was contradicting itself. I'd read some scriptures, especially in the Gospels. I had a good friend in high school that kept trying to tell me that uh, baptism was part of your salvation. i say, no, I knew that wasn't right. But she gave me the verses that said it. And I thought, I'm either really stupid, <laughs> which I may be, yeah. but, <laughs> but I'm not close enough to the Lord. Or I knew God's word didn't contradict itself. I totally trusted that his word was nothing but truth. And I'm thankful for that. But I, I just could not comprehend the contradictions that I saw. And when Pastor Jim over at University Heights first started teaching in Sunday school about rightly dividing. And Satan tried to use baptism against me because I was saved in a Baptist church like maybe some of you were. My family is saved in a Baptist church. And I thank God for my husband. I went home at night. I said, Stan, we can't work for Pastor Jim. What is he talking about? No, bab no water baptism today. He's crazy. We can't work for him anymore. He said, calm down. He said, let's read these syllabuses and see what they say and really study them together. And you know what? <laughs> My Bible is more real to me today. I love the Old Testament more. I love the Gospels more. But I know what, verses, what books are for me, what I'm supposed to do today. But it helps me to understand all of it. And I praise the Lord for that. And thank you, even though I was madder and I'll get out at you. But I appreciate it. And honestly, it's been, um, Stan and I have talked, it's almost like getting saved again. You don't get saved again. But it brings the word so real to you, and you understand it all so much that it's like that. Amen. Michael? I want to stand up here. This podium is my size. It's awesome. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I grew up in a town of 600 people. There were three churches. There was a Methodist church, a Lutheran church, and a Baptist church. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but bless her heart, my aunt took me to the Methodist church since I was in first grade. And I didn't understand why there were different churches. There were only one Bible. Why did this church believe this? Why did this other church believe that? And it didn't make any sense to me, but I didn't really question it too much. So fast forward, I, at University Heights when Pastor was there, I can remember where I was sitting, I, and the light bulb went off 
when he started talking about the dispensations. And it wasn't really a light bulb, but it was more like I was sitting in the middle of a professional baseball stadium and they turned the lights on. <laughs> it was just, I couldn't believe it because now I can see that this church took a part of this dispensation and brought it forward into grace. And that's why they believe what they believe. And this other one took what Jesus said over here to the Israelites, brought it forward into grace. That's why they believe what they believe. So I, I just thank you for that. And I'll leave you with this. I can't believe the amount of courage and the amount of bravery that it took for pastor to say, you know, through my, my studies here, I've found something different than I've been teaching. And to have all, all these other churches and pastors say, you're, you're teaching heresy. You know, you're, you're teaching false doctrine. And he still stood bold and teach what he thought was the truth. And I had a lot of respect for him before, but it just skyrocketed when you did that. Thank you, Michael. So, thank you, Pastor. Thanks for saving me to last. <laughs> Gave me more chance to be nervous. Um, when Pastor started talking about uh, this a little bit in the Sunday school class when we were at Emmanuel, do you remember that? Yeah. You remember that? And I didn't want to hear it. You know, I had what I believed, and I trusted the Bible, but I did not rightly divide it. And so I decided during Sunday school that I would volunteer to be in the nursery so I wouldn't have to go to Sunday school. And that way I wouldn't have to hear it and wouldn't be responsible for it. Well, what happened is that I got sick every Monday. Every Monday morning, I was sick all week. And then I'd go back on Sunday night to the nursery again, be sick the next week. So I thought, well, that's God showing me that I need to be somewhere else. So I went to Sunday school. <laughs> long story short, I went to Sunday school. But anyway, uh, long, another long story. I, I wasn't as you can tell, very receptive to this idea of being more toward Paul at first. And so I decided what I would do is to make a study, uh, as intensive study as I could, with my limited resources into the Pauline epistles. And so I studied those, and you know what happened? that word effectual comes in because I found that I love Jesus more after studying Paul than I did everything else that I'd studied before because Paul elevates Christ. And that's, that's what we do in our lives, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor, for sticking it out. Thank you. We love you guys. Let's give him a hand. Amen. Now, I won't be the only one called a heretic. Other people will see this on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, I remember Bev was very reluctant, and Bob used to always say, she'll come around, she'll come around. 
it was real interesting. And so, uh, but for, uh, First Thessalonians 2.13, we close. First Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also thank we God, without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, not your denomination, not your tradition or anything, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, and it effectually worked in them. And it has many of us here this morning. And so all I can just say is if you ever want to know what the Bible actually says, you need to come over and thank God for rightly dividing. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you have one that uh, just continues on uh, throughout this coming week. God bless you, and we love you. We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.